0: It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers, and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for today. I'm Roger Bouchard. I'm here uh, in a uh, Monday through Friday capacity. What happens is that on Monday, Dick Bouchard takes over, and uh, he puts duct tape on my mouth, and I cannot participate in the program. So, uh, but I am here Monday through Friday on the Upfront program. The other days, Tuesday through Friday, uh, I do uh, I do speak. And today is Friday, and we have Bob Martin, John Brien, and uh, also Mister Bourget and Dr. McGee from the school committee. Let me uh, let me see if Mr. Martin is in the house. Mr. Martin, are you there or are you on the golf course? No, I
2: am here, Roger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just checking. Go golf
1: today. All right, I just wanted to... I just wanted to judge the quality of the telephone call. Sometimes from those fancy golf courses in uh, Connecticut or something like that, we don't get a good connection. Anyway, to uh, make a long story short, we have um, two questions. One that you are aware of that I'm going to ask you and one that came in uh, uh, just a few minutes ago after we plugged it. You were going to be here. They want to know something about condos. So be prepared for a question that you have no idea what it's about. Are you ready for all this excitement? Yes, I am. I can tell. All right. Here is our um, here is our question for you that you do know about uh, since it was uh, sent to you. I'm selling an investment property that I've owned for many years. The water meter is in a concrete pit. This sounds like my house, but it isn't. My plumber told me that it needs to be raised above the floor of the basement before I sell it. Is that true?
2: Uh, yes, it is. Um... Uh, particularly in Woonsocket, uh, and I'm not saying that, that there is, there's a regulation that, that applies. Woonsocket does enforce it stricter than other communities. So I'm assuming that uh, his property is local. So what happens is when a water meter is below grade, it doesn't have to be in, well, it usually it may be in a pit, um, which was years ago. Um, the city of Woonsocket uh, requires that the meter be raised uh, 12 inches above the slab or the, the floor of the basement and that a, um, a backflow preventer and an expansion tank uh, be installed. Um, when that is, uh, when there is a copper line that comes from the street into the house, it, it isn't you know, it's not cheap, but it's not thousands of dollars either. It probably runs 800 to to $1,000 to have that done. And uh, generally speaking, it has to be done before the closing because when the city of Woonsocket employees come in and water department check it, um, they basically cite the property that it has to be done. So uh, sometimes it's done post-closing, but money has to be put up and a letter given. So most of the time people do it. Um the, the the bigger thing is, and it happened to us this week, the the line from the street into the property is a lead line, um, which was used prior to copper. The older homes; this home was built in, I believe nineteen fifteen. When that is the case, not only does the meter have to be raised, the lead line has to be replaced with a copper line, uh, which is a big deal. Um, And sometimes people are surprised with it. You know, as people live in the house uh, or own it many years, the water's fine. They're not poisoned, and they they simply always ask, uh, well, you know, I don't have high lead. What's the problem? Um, And without getting into a lot of the specifics, uh, picture a one-inch water line. Uh, that's been lined with, uh, they call it the CRUD factor, C-R-U-D. So over the years, it's lined with sediments and whatnot. So once the water goes into the property, it never touches the lead. Um, and, uh, but when, when the home is being sold, uh, so when replacing a lead line, uh, sometimes um, the street has to be dug up because you have to go back to the water line in the street and then the old lead line has to be removed, and uh, if the home sits off the street, you know, you need an excavator very often, um, a backhoe. And um, sometimes you're able to pull the line out and pull another one through. Other times they can't, which would mean, you know, I've seen where retaining walls, you know, short walls had to be removed, or, you know, broken, uh, and, and lawns, you know, chopped up. So uh, it is, it is correct. Hopefully, this gentleman has a copper line. If it's a copper line, it's not the end of the world. Uh, If it's a lead line, it's going to cost him more money. So that he is correct, the plumber is correct, that the meter has to be raised. And if the line is discovered to be lead, it's going to have to be replaced.
1: Okay. Now, maybe it's something you should do um, well ahead of uh, selling the house uh, just to get into compliance. We,
2: We generally, when we go into a home, that's one of the first things we look at. Uh, the home that I mentioned this week, unfortunately, it was a multi, and there was a ton of tenant uh, personal property where we couldn't get to it without climbing over it. And when the plumber finally got there, we, uh, we got a surprise. But uh, generally, yes, we do, do check it. And it's something a homeowner should look at. It's rather simple. You take a pocket knife or any, any object like that, scrape the pipe as it's coming in, and you can pretty much tell if it's light or copper
1: all right, uh, can we get to our condo question that uh, just came in a few minutes ago? It's uh, very brief, and, and I don't, I don't. Um, it, it's not so much a real estate uh, question, um, or maybe it is, I don't know. Just hey, give it to you. Um, I'm thinking of buying a condo, and I do not want to join the Condo Association. Is there a way to buy a property without being tied into the association? I'm willing to pay the dues, however. All right.
2: Um, All right. <laughs> No. Um, And I don't know what he means by belonging to the association. Uh, If if what he means is you don't have to follow the rules and regulations, uh, no, you don't. So when you buy into a condo, there are uh, condo fees, and those condo fees are um, used to take care of the exterior of the community, lawns. Grass cutting, mm-hmm. there's a pool, the maintenance, etc. So you're paying your condo fees, irrespective. Um, there is no sign-up, uh, so I don't, I don't think one. He has to fear that he's not a member of the condo association. The bottom line is the association owns all of the common areas, um, of, and and you've got to follow the rules and regs. So by buying into the, by buying the condo. You automatically get a share. Oh, usually, it's one share um, in in the association. Uh, the some of some condos um, self maintain where they hire their own people. Um, where I live, we just we're about to have an election of officers, and it's self managed. Other places um there's always a hierarchy if you will a president vice president but they can they can go out and hire a professional management company but there's no there's no downside of commitment um to being part of the association if he's looking at it as like in a union where i don't want to pay the union dues there there are no fees to the condo association you're paying a condo fee to the community to maintain it so if he's going to buy in a condo We will have some ownership in the condo association.
1: All right. No way out of that. Okay. Bob, um, if uh, you um, have somebody that wants to talk to you, um, I know you're accessible. How accessible are you and how can we reach you?
2: Very accessible. My office is 766-7545. After hours, you just punch 111. It will go into my voicemail and basically notify me that there's a message they want to call me directly, it's 401-474-3556. And um, I'm available from the time I rise in the morning till I go to bed at night. All
1: right. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, the Upfront program. And we look forward to uh, chatting with you next Friday at the same time, okay? Absolutely, Rod. Bye-bye. Have a good week. Bob Martin, Crossroads Real Estate Group, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, with our Real Estate Question of the Year. Of the day, of the month, and of the day. All right. So, anyway, we're going to take a break here. The Roast House is open for lunch today at 1130. I recommend the fish tacos. But um, check over that luncheon menu. And if uh, they hand you the regular menu and forget to um, give you the luncheon menu... You may reprimand them. You say, oh, wait a minute, where's the luncheon menu? They do that, though. The luncheon menu, the regular menu, it's a great weekend of dining at the Roast House. The Roast House is open seven days a week, and our hours are 1130 a.m. to 9 p.m. And we're featuring outside dining and inside dining, and, of course, takeout. To make a reservation to dine or to place an order at the Roast House, call 508-883-7700. And check our menu on the Internet for theroasthouse.com. Thank you for your support during this period of transition. The Roast House, Palm Street, Blackstone. We welcome back old and new customers for inside and outside dining. If you need a plumber, I hope you'll consider Ray Dion, Dion's Plumbing Systems. From Cumberland, serving the greater Woonsocket area, we do residential and commercial work. We work on kitchens and bathrooms, heating systems, drain cleaning. We're licensed. We're insured. Over 30 years' experience from Ray Dion, you can expect clean, neat, dependable, and courteous work. So when the pipes burst, think of Dion's Plumbing first. The number to call is 334-6060, Dion's Plumbing Systems. We do bathrooms, kitchens, heat and hot water systems, and all kinds of special work as it relates to plumbing. Dion's Plumbing Systems. Think of us. We'll do it right for you. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Socket, Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, 25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Socket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Socket.
3: You're listening to
1: WNRIS Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Upfront program for this Friday. And on Fridays, um, the uh, John Brien for Mayor campaign purchases uh, time here on the program, and that's exactly what's happening. So um, we are introducing John Brien, uh, mayoral candidate. How are you doing today, Mister Brien? I'm doing great. Good
0: and good morning to the listeners. Thank you for having me.
1: All right. Well, um, I'm going to uh, cut to the chase, as they say. Um, I already know that you're you're okay and uh, that uh, you're doing what you have to do. So, I want to go to the Woonsocket call uh, headline: uh, Baldelli Hunt Brian Spa over uh, debate location. And uh, so that was a French page story in the call. And uh, even drew me into the uh, into the conversation, which I don't mind being drawn into because let me get a little bit about this debate. Um, I know it's your time, but I just wanted to let you know the debate is sponsored by WNRI. It's our idea. And we've done this before. Uh, we did it two years ago when your dad was uh, the mayoral candidate, and we've done it for a number of years. So it's sponsored by WNRI. We uh, make the arrangements. Nobody tells us where to go. And we chose a location uh, for for it. So um, we're a little bit involved in it. We're trying to stay uh, impartial. But uh, from your point of view, um, uh, we will let you uh, take over the uh,
0: the microphone and uh, see what uh, you interpret this is all about. Well, first of all, I was, uh, thanks, Roger. I was surprised at the headline only to the extent that it said... Um, that the can- mayoral candidates were sparring over uh, the debate location. I didn't uh, think there was any reason to spar or even have any type of disagreement over it. I, you know, certainly I'm looking forward to having a forum. Uh, I think a debate is is, is a healthy thing. Uh, it gives the voters an ability to juxtapose the candidates. But certainly in this time of of COVID, you know, there's a. Uh, there's a concern about being able to have people and large amounts of people or even small amounts of people in the same room at once. So certainly we have to do things differently this year. We've done everything differently this year. Uh, and, you know, everyone, I think everyone's campaign has had to, you know, pivot and, and, and act accordingly as the best way to handle this COVID-19 situation. So how are we able to best get that, uh, that forum and that, uh, uh, you know, that, that time to the people of Woonsocket so that they can see it, and that's through the power of, of television. Certainly, you know, it will be broadcast on your radio station, I'm, I'm certain, Roger, but also people want to be able to see it, especially those who would have otherwise been able to come to it uh, in person. So, certainly, Harris Hall is the best place for it. And because it has a live cable feed, and I and I'm I'm anxious to do it. I, I think it's a great thing. I think in in the name of transparency, in the name of, of maximum viewership for the people of Socket, I think it's a great thing. So uh, as far as uh, the candidates sparring over the debate location, there's no spar coming from from this side, other than saying let's do it, let's put it on live TV, and I think uh, Harris Hall. Is the right place for it because um, that's a that's a, a regular place where debates are held the the, the cities and town halls are around the uh, around the state and uh, I just think it, it's it's appropriate and it's the right thing to do and I I certainly have uh, no issues with live television at all I'm looking forward to it uh, and I can only speak to myself but uh, that certainly doesn't doesn't scare me off at all, and in fact, I I welcome it because I want as many people to see it as possible. I mean, obviously, I have gone to as many doors as I as I humanly can over the course of this summer, and and I continue to do so, uh, and I will continue to do so. But it also gets to the point that people want to be able to see and should be able to see uh, the differences in the candidate. So I really think it's important in the name of. Of transparency, and in fact, uh, because Harris Hall is the place where uh, the city council meets, and the city council in fact, passed a resolution last month uh, I believe it was September 10th, and that was instructing the administration to prepare Harris Hall for city council meetings. And that was for 15 people, Rogers. So you had the seven councillors, and you had the city clerk. The city solicitor, Paul Jacob, and uh, whoever from the administration, but for a maximum of 15. This particular situation uh, for the debate is a maximum of nine people as far as I understand it. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, it would be uh, myself and and two people, the current mayor and two people, uh, and and, uh, Jeff Gamash, who would serve as a moderator and but paul jacob and perhaps an assistant an an assistant and so that would that in my rudimentary math that adds up to nine so that's actually six less than what we arranged for for the council meeting so certainly uh, i'm not going to fall into the trap of this is a public safety issue Uh, if you've been to city hall lately they have these fancy gadgets that are coming down from the ceiling where there's a camera and a and it, it, a, it, it'll take your temperature. And, you know, the, obviously there's this, you know, people will be able to, they'll, they'll have their masks on and they'll, you know, the, the, they'll be properly socially distanced. So uh, I don't think this, I don't think this really falls uh, in a public safety issue. And if that's the, um, you know, and if that's the backstop that's being used, then how would any other place be safe. I mean, you know, I'm already allowed in City Hall. The current mayor is allowed in City Hall, and certainly Paul Jacob has been in City Hall. So, you're just talking about a few other people that can be properly screened. I don't see the issue. In fact, there is no issue. So, when I, so going back, when I saw SPAR, I was surprised because I'm not sparring.
1: And I'm surprised, too. I just, uh, I don't like to throw myself in the middle of a situation like this, but um, this is uh, something that we decided to do Because, um, A, it already had been done in Harris Hall with the council, and we're going to do it with uh, six less people. And number two, the only place to do a live cable broadcast is uh, Harris Hall, the middle school and the library at one time when Cox Communications was in charge of cable TV in Woonsocket. There, they had cable drops there and and if they still did but they removed them six years ago um, if they still did we probably would have gone
0: over the library or maybe the middle school By, I yeah, don't my, know. but my question is what yeah. makes the library different what mm-hmm. it's still a public building you're still yeah. putting people in it yeah. there are the employees of right. is the argument that the employees of the library mm-hmm. are less important or right. they're safer than say, the employees of City Hall, which will be emptied anyway, yeah. I, I, it's it's really a counterintuitive argument. But just so that you know, I don't know if you had a chance to look at the City Council agenda. The City Council has on it uh, on its agenda a resolution uh, instructing the administration to prepare the um, the council chambers for a debate on October 21. So uh, I think you know we that is that is where the City Council meets. That is Harris Hall, and and because we technically that's the council chambers, uh, we're instructing uh, that we're you know, we're allowing for its use and instructing that it be used for for that purpose.
1: So right now I'm waiting for Chief Shatra, the fire chief, to uh, get back to me and um, give me
0: the okay to go to Harris Hall.
1: Now, um, so there'll be an ordinance um,
0: as a resolution. Resolution. On it, yes. And you know we have a there's another resolution that's on uh the docket as well, and I think this one is is equally important, and that is uh in regard to and this goes down to the the basic idea of city hall remaining uh, closed the way that it is closed, and I think that it's become a frustrating point for myself it's become a frustrating point for many residents who aren't able to access the city clerk's office uh, and, and it really comes down to, in my opinion, the, the notion that the public, I believe, is being kept out of City Hall for one reason or another. And uh, I maintain that there are COVID protocols that can be put in place, that are put in place, but still allows the public to access City Hall. Because in the end, it is City Hall. And it belongs to the people of the city of Woonsocket. So we put an ordinance in because, as you know, the Woonsocket Board of Canvassers has not been allowed into the Board of Canvassers. Uh, So the board, the members of the board have not been allowed in. We have a presidential election coming up. We have a city election. We have, uh, this is going to be a very busy time. I believe there's going to be high turnout, uh, many ballots. The Secretary of State, in my opinion, uh, used uh, executive powers to illegally call for uh, early in-person voting, which there is no statute on the books for early in-person voting, but she used emergency powers to basically call for it. But nonetheless, emergency in-person voting, which is you show up at City Hall with an ID and you vote in person, your ballot goes into the machine, uh, that's happening as well. So we passed an ordinance that says uh, we're giving the board of canvassers and the manager of the board of canvassers the ability to dictate basically what they need so the board can enter City Hall finally and the board and the managers can say look this is what we need we need three uh, voting spots we need five voting spots this is where it should be uh, this is the best way to, to you know moderate this election because this is very important and I want to make sure that The people of the Board of Canvassers are handling this election and not the administration handling this election because certainly that would, one, be inappropriate, and two, uh, they are not the, they have no legal jurisdiction to be handling where something should, where voting machines should be, how things should go. um, And I think that's, you know, that's an elementary thing. So when you have to start putting in resolutions to, um, to prescribe for that to happen you know i think that there's a disconnect but it's about time you know this is about transparency this is about the integrity of elections uh, this is about integrity as a whole and uh you know that's been one of my core values of my campaign and and it will continue to be that uh, i hold uh, elections very sacred you know as a as a former member of the general assembly we have voter id in the state of Rhode Island And I don't say this as a a chest-beating moment, but I fought for that bill for five years, and we got it through the General Assembly. Rhode Island is the only state with voter ID in all of New England. And uh, that says something, and that I think was very important to me. So the integrity of elections is something that is uh, tantamount uh, to my priorities coming up as we we round the corner uh, to November 3rd.
1: Well, as uh, we're running out of time, but since we... Been talking about the debate coming up uh, October 21st, I believe, is uh, the date. I was just wondering, and you can do this either lightly or seriously, but we had a debate the other night. Uh, We had uh, the presidential debate, uh, the Biden-Trump debate. And so um, I guess my question is, um, what kind of a tone, I know there is going to be a a meeting between you and and Lisa Baldelli-Hunt, what kind of tone can we expect from you? What kind of tone can we expect from her? Will the debates uh, look similar to the presidential debates, or will they be a far cry?
0: Well, I, I would expect it to be a far cry. I mean, I, I, I think that you no know, matter what side you were on, you found what happened on Tuesday night to be problematic. And frankly, tough to watch. I mean, it was, it was, um, it really was a bit grating at times. And I blame all parties. I blame the moderator. I think the moderator was terrible, and I think that uh, both uh, both participants didn't participate with the necessary amount of decorum that would befit a presidential debate. Uh, as far as I am concerned, Roger, look, I, I have said this, and I will say this. Right up until November third, I am not running against anyone. I am running for mayor of Woonsocket. So I will go into a debate uh, willing and able and ready to talk about my vision and what I see uh, the city of Woonsocket is and what it can be and present myself and my qualities and what I think that uh, the voters should know about me and and etc. So I have absolutely no need or no desire to Devolve into anything, but I think that you know if if I'm questioned on actions I've taken in the General Assembly or actions that I've taken in my role as a city councilor, I think that's highly appropriate, and I think that certainly uh, it, it's that's what a debate is for. This is what you've done as a public servant. This is what you haven't done as a public servant, and I think that is fair game. Uh, I, I just I have no intent. Uh, to devolve into anything other than a fact-based uh, debate, and I expect that the people of the city of Woonsocket expect that to be the case, and I also believe that the city, that the the voters of the city would be most disappointed in any candidate that would uh, devolve into that type of, uh, that type of, of rhetoric, because I just don't think it's necessary, and I think that That's not what people are looking for. People are looking for a comparison between the candidates. And I'm prepared to show my best self and who I am, uh, what I'm about, and what I can bring to uh, the office and to the job. Because, as I say every day, Roger, this is a job interview. And uh, I am putting myself before the people. And you cannot have a proper job interview without meeting people, without speaking with them, without speaking to them in forums such as the one that WNRI has proposed. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to be televised. I'm looking forward to having maximum viewership and for people to be able to make an informed decision about the two candidates, but in a positive and constructive way that really shows uh, what each person uh, can offer uh, and will offer. And I, and I think that's ultimately what people want. John Brien,
1: candidate for mayor. Our uh, segment um, sponsor uh, this time around, and we'll see you next Friday. Thank you, Roger. As,
0: as you notice, I'm, uh, I'm wearing a suit yeah. and tie this morning. Very Yes, yeah. and that's because uh, even though I am running for mayor, uh, bad things continue to happen <laughs> to good people, and I must go help them at the district court.
1: Okay, mayor thank Ryan, you, John, for goodbye. joining us. Paid for. Bring in campaign for mayor, and this is Day, Daybreak Southern New England. This is up front. This is WNRi, and this is Kayer Kosher. Kear Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick, 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kear Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kear Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. This is Ron Miller from the Fournier and Fournier Funeral Home. The loss of a loved one under normal circumstances can be exceedingly difficult. Losing someone close to you during this pandemic presents other challenges with limitations such as social distancing.
2: This is especially true when you need to have the support of those you love. In these uncertain times, there are still ways to stay connected and receive the love and support of family and friends. There are a myriad of options available to you to help get you through your time of loss. Please call us at 401-769-0940 or visit us at our
1: website at FournierandFournier.com. Service is what we do best. Your comfort
4: and peace of mind in your time of need is what we strive for. Missy's Family Restaurant is currently collecting donations to help feed our veterans homeless, less fortunate, homebound, and anyone else who wants a hot, hearty meal this Thanksgiving Day. Checks or money orders payable to Missy's Holiday Fund can be dropped off at their restaurant at 801 Clinton Street in socket. Missy's Family Restaurant thanks everyone for their past generosity as they look forward to helping those in need again this Thanksgiving. This year's Thanksgiving meal will be in honor of Alan and other great friends they've lost throughout the year
1: little general convenience stores are ready to serve you every day with great
3: locally roasted coffee delicious grab and goes just heat and eat for those on the run as well as best prices for all your deli meats little general convenience stores
1: we're here for you with seven locations throughout the blackstone valley WNRI will be broadcasting twenty-six hours of the best of Autumn Fest next weekend. So every hour that we would normally broadcast live from Autumn Fest, we'll be broadcasting uh, some of the best performances of of the past, including uh, a group called the Tokens, a great oldies group, and uh, Josie Basan, and of course uh, Kings Row uh, with the uh, lead singer uh, Wayne Lima, the late Le- Wayne Lima. It's going to be a nice weekend of, uh, of entertainment. We only mention that because Little General is one of our sponsors for the weekend. Thank you to all our sponsors. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Segment three here of the Upfront program on this Friday. And we uh, have an open invitation, and I'm glad they have accepted, uh, to uh, the Woonsocket School Department. And uh, one member of the school department is um, what they call administrative. And uh, that's uh, the uh, superintendent. And the other part is uh, the elected part of the uh, school department. And um, I... uh, Say that they—they're uh, the ones that set the set the policy for the school department, and so uh, Paul Bojear. Uh, I think I'm right on that, right? You Correct. do set policy. So, Paul, um, I know in having a brief conversation uh, w- with you yesterday, uh, finding staff uh, is uh, one of your issues. Uh, so maybe I'll—I'll uh, uh, I'll just say, uh, generally speaking, why don't you give me the school committee chairman's view on the status of things this Friday?
4: After one week, who knew we would be dealing with these issues, Roger? Every week, things change. Um, Anyway, thank you for having me on the show. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, Dr. McGee. Uh, how I see things. You guys
1: are Still speaking to each other. Huh? We're, we're good oh, friends. Yes. We work <laughs> yes, very uh, well absolutely. Okay, I'm just wondering. Right. We
4: be, we not, become, not all school departments operate the same way, you know. We become the Mutton <laughs> Jeff Show. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever we are, that's where we are. We 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 want. a pair of comfortable shoes. After all the work that we've done over the months since since March, since the COVID hit, and getting ready for this this upcoming year. Uh, getting all our buildings ready, uh, our operations uh, director and his staff, teachers getting ready and looking at new programs and making sure they're up to speed with Chromebooks and iPads and computers, making sure all our children have uh, the right materials and equipment to, uh, to, to, to have a great academic year. After all that, even... As late as August, we were told we had to uh, make sure that the air exchange rate in all our buildings was accurate. After all of that, we come into September with a great plan um, to stagger the starts in three phases, as Dr. McGee put it. Um, And, uh, you know, from the elementary to middle school and high school, and we're ready to roll. And lo and behold... COVID really reared its ugly head uh, amongst the teachers, substitutes, monitors, anyone who sits in front of a child or stands in front of a child. And we find ourselves with 234 uh, teachers who are out, Um, 149 uh, who have applied for the ADA, who are on ADA, uh, related COVID. So once the governor uh, put COVID on the American Disability Act, uh, we had a rush to that. Mm-hmm. We have a whole bunch of others who are out in FMLA. Uh, we have others with childcare. We have others that are being tested and waiting for tests. So all the things that we could control, Roger, we find ourselves that the one thing we couldn't control was the impact of COVID on our teachers. And so right now we are lacking some 31 teachers that we need to open that high school. We we were looking at these numbers yesterday, and even though the high school has 38 uh, teachers that are out, um, in t- of the in terms of the total, we need 31 substitutes and monitors. And i got to tell you, we've had a lot of parents call, text, um, you know, airing their frustrations. Well, they they only match ours because we want those kids in school. We want the parents to be happy to be sending them to school. Uh, And here we are, lacking people. It's almost like we have to Shanghai people uh, to bring them into school. So if we have people out there who want to sub and can sub... Uh, who want to monitor and want to volunteer or want, want to actually get paid as a substitute, they should be calling the school department, 767-4700, mm-hmm. the main number. My God, I feel like an advertiser.
1: Yeah, Fuck. we're going to charge you for that. That's and now,
4: um... So I am, I am so beyond myself that we can't. We had a great plan, but now we're stuck in the mud because we don't have the people to teach.
1: Now... I'm drawing from what you're saying, the consensus of parents, consensus meaning the majority. <coughs> excuse me, is that they want school to begin with in-person learning. Is that what I'm hearing?
4: Well, they want they, they were very you know they weren't happy with it, but they were content with having the hybrid plan that we had that we had set out, where the first Monday would be uh, a, a virtual day. Uh, then we would have a group that would come in on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That'd be Group A, and Group B would be uh, Wednesdays and Fridays. And that was ready. We were ready to launch this uh, in Phase Three. Um, and now um, we, we've delayed everything to you know through the end of the calendar year because we don't have the teachers. And hopefully we can get. Substitutes and monitors and folks that we can effectively open reopen the high school.
1: Now, in the eyes of the superintendent, we'll shift over to you, and then uh, I'll backtrack on some questions uh, after at least we give you a chance to say something that might not get said if we run out of time. So, how do you uh, see the um, the coming uh, weeks, uh, Mr. Superintendent Patrick McGee?
3: So, thank you for having me on. Uh, Roger. Um, good morning, everyone. So um, we're we're in the process of of trying to, obviously, as, as Chairman Bourget said, um, acquire as many substitutes as we can. It's um, it's a challenge because it's it, it's 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 competition. We, we, there are so many subs in the state. And uh, some districts pay more. Um, when socket, we, we're about average to, to, to upper average um, with respect to what we pay our substitutes. Uh, we have, however, uh, submitted a couple of grant proposals for um, substitutes. One is a, is a federal um, proposal that we submitted uh, yesterday, and we've also submitted, a proposal to the Department of Ed, which is working with an organization uh, uh, called the Highlander Institute, where they're going to procure subs and they will provide us with about $135 or so um, on top of what we would normally pay substitutes. So substitutes would be, um, in in both grants, our, our substitutes would be making about two hundred and thirty, two hundred and forty dollars a day.
1: Oh, question: Do you, Would they come out of the woodwork uh, with that extra money, or, or is, <laughs> yeah, is, is that going to be the thing that's going to? Uh... I I
3: hope so. Uh-huh. I, I know that you know we we're always it, it's it's substitutes are it's 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 a it's a fluid process every year, and you know we we have a certain number of subs that we typically have from year to year. Sometimes they leave us to go to other districts. Sometimes they get jobs um, in other districts but it's it's, as I said, it's very competitive and certainly if if you can make you know two hundred and forty dollars in district A versus one hundred and ten dollars in in district B, you're more likely to go where the money is. so um, we're we're hoping that we're we're going to um, you know get these two grants. Um, I you know ride their grant their they they're basing the um, that the process on the needs of the district, and I, I don't know that there's another district in the state that has greater needs than we have right now. So I'm I'm hopeful that we'll get those two grants, and I'm hopeful that in getting those two grants, we will have um, you know a, a good amount of money for folks to come in and, and want to sub. For us in in
1: Mr. Superintendent, certification. uh, So, does a substitute have to be a retired teacher, or can you, uh, through the Department of Education, get an emergency certificate? You can, yes, Uh yes. Tell me the kinds of people that would uh, would they would be looking for.
3: So, you know, sometimes it's 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 retired people, uh, someone who's who's retired who might have been working in you know the 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 math. Um, field, uh, like Roger. sometimes mm-hmm. like like I, I Roger understand that a, you uh, yes, yeah,
1: he would you uh, <laughs> retired teacher, right? <laughs> we have an
4: opening,
3: Roger. <laughs> yes, I am uh, learning about it. <laughs> the math intrigues
1: me. I love math.
3: We've also had uh, people who who are in the science field mm-hmm. who you know they, they retire and, and they really enjoy science and they and they want to give back to to their community. Um, typically, it's it's people who. Are, are looking for a teaching job and haven't been able to land a teaching job, a permanent job. Um, so it, it's a variety of, of people, really, that, that we get each year. We, we of course have to vet them, um, you know, we, they have to have a BCI check, they, you know, all of those records have to be in place before we can put them in front of students.
1: When I uh, first um, had um, Phase One, Two, and Three introduced by you guys, I understood it perfectly. I had a timetable, and (laughs) I was all ready to go.
3: So were Uh, we. So,
1: so best laid plans of mice and men. Ready to go too. Here is a question: Either one of you you can flip a coin on it. Uh, Monday is another day of, uh, or another week of schooling. Uh, The question is: What phase are we in on Monday? And what phase are we trying to get to? I hear all about trying to get substitutes yes. and so forth. So tell us where we are on
3: Monday and where we're going. So this this is the end of the first week of phase two. So um, so the the last week of phase two will be next, next week. week. Um, this week. Only. And then we will be moving on to phase three. So phase three. Um, so so far um, is going to be everything that's, that's been done up to now, uh, up, up to the end of Phase 2, including um, bringing students uh, in a hybrid in grades 4, 5, 7, and 8. Uh, that, that's the plan. Um, so those students right now are virtual Good to Monday go. through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping that um, you know, we'll be able to bring those grades back in. In a, uh, a hybrid model, but again, you know, as I've stated before, and as we've seen, unfortunately, uh, the the progress from one phase to another phase is based on the data that we're getting, based on the numbers. Um, so, you know, I'll I'll be making a determination um, early next week with okay. respect to what Phase Three will look like. Um, as I've done all along, you know, I, I, I will communicate that out to our families. Um, and to our parents um, exactly where we are and what phase three is going to, to look like.
1: So you can announce that phase three begins next
3: week, but you don't know what it's going to look like yet? I I, I, I don't right now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm what hopeful. would you like it to look like? I, I would like it to look like uh, that we that would have that, that, that everyone's coming back um, I, I will say this, we we are with respect to the high school um, as Chairman Bourget said uh, a, a moment ago you know, there, there are parents that are very frustrated, and, and believe me, um, I, I'm, I'm as frustrated as they are that, that our, our high school students are not back in a hybrid. Um, however, we are, we're we're exploring, in, in addition to, you know, trying to get in as many substitutes as we can with these, with these grants and just our, our HR department, reaching out to, to as many folks as they can. Um, we're, we're also looking at our career center uh, reopening plan and i 've had meetings with with Mr. Webb, the director of the career center and i 'm meeting with him again today to talk about how we can bring back um, potentially our seniors in a hybrid model um, back to the career center um, because as, you know, as as you are probably are, are familiar with and, and many of the listeners are the career center is is hands-on it's you know there there there's the practical piece there's there's the um um there's sort of the the technical piece and and those 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 elements you really can't do that virtually um you know the the theoretical part you can but the actual practical hands-on you can't so we're um we're looking at, and Mr. Webb and and the leadership team at the high school is is looking at bringing back the, the programs that we can bring back at the career center, hopefully soon. But we'll be um, we'll be letting uh, our our high school and our, our career and tech families, you know, uh, know what's what's happening very soon. You
1: can't disassemble a motor
3: uh, virtually as well as
1: you can do well, it. Well, you person. can work
4: on your father's car, but he may not appreciate yeah. mm-hmm. uh, since uh, you're you're still learning. That could yes. be a problem. <laughs> Um, but let's remember, with uh, even though we've applied for the, the the grants that Ride has come up with, who knows how long it's going to take for the turnaround, for for the funding to come through. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything by Ride has been very slow and a snail's pace because they don't seem to be very well organized. Uh, so although they 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 they're, they're giving us this added boost, doesn't mean the boost is going to come in time before the end of this calendar year. Um, We can be hopeful, but we become realistic with ride. Uh, Things don't go very smoothly out of Providence.
1: I don't know who wants to answer this, uh, but I always like to compare myself to what other radio stations are doing. So here we are so close to Massachusetts, Bellingham and Blackstone, uh, right, uh, you know, just a few hundred feet from us right as we speak. And then we have the rest of Rhode Island. Um, Are we uh, in the middle in terms of getting back or... Um, because we're an urban city, um, that um, makes it more difficult. Uh, what,
4: how are we doing? Well, when you're looking at the neighborhood, uh, the surrounding neighborhoods, you basically you got towns. It's uh, rural, and we're the only real urban center. So you can't compare yourself. We can't compare ourselves to them. And let's face it, the Massachusetts towns, are following the Department of Massachusetts Education Department. And basically, they've opened up a lot more, but they're also getting a lot more cases, um, that's another thing that they're 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 going through. They're still they're they're feeling the impact of substitutes, um, like we are. But Rhode Island has a, a especially a, a great need because of of the urban centers of Providence and Pawtucket and Woonsocket and Warwick. Um, so it's it's almost it's a very unique situation we find ourselves in, because our plan would have been as good as the Massachusetts plans if it wasn't for. All of a sudden, the, the, uh, the lack of teachers and substitutes. And that's something that's out of everyone's control. And like you said, where do you find these people? Well, uh, there are people who are interested, but during the vetting process, they may not make it, uh, even though we want them. At this point, you know, we want somebody who's breathing. But you've got to have somebody who can work with kids, has to be checked, has to go through a BCI check, has to have some kind of credentials uh, to be able to teach Uh, to be able to sit in front of our kids, because we're not going to put them in danger. The whole point of our entire approach for reopening is to provide a safe environment and provide the best education programs that we can. With
1: the current situation that we have in terms of schools being open to in-classroom and virtual, have we had any uh, cases, um, and have we had to bring in the state uh, in any way? Uh, The governor keeps talking. I'm looking at her. Agenda here for a news conference on Wednesday. She keeps talking about the national guard being available um, and so forth. Uh, have you interacted much with uh, with the state uh, and its special task force since you started? And have we had many you cases?
4: Know, from my end, we well, you know we have not had the cases where we've had to bring in the Department of Health, uh, like she said, in a crisis situation. We have not had that because we've done a good job. In making sure we have the PPE, we have social distancing, we've cleaned the buildings, we've brought in the, uh, the air exchange minimums uh, up to standard. We've done our job. Uh, so, no, we have not. The only thing we've had from the state is they sent the, ins- and a quote, an inspection team, it was basically a light walkthrough, almost a drive-by walkthrough of our buildings to tell us whether or not uh, uh, our air exchange was okay. Although they did no measurements and frankly the whole process was useless it didn't thank god that we had engaged our own engineering firms to tweak our hvacs clean the ducts and bring in filters and measure air quality and air exchange in all our buildings
1: i think the term drive by <laughs> drive-by inspection kind of answered that so, in two words. You, you
4: were all set with drive-by, right?
1: <laughs> I think I got it. Mr. Superintendent, before we leave, um, what's the message, um, the Friday message uh, going into Monday that you'd like to bring to parents and, and grandparents who have children in Woonsocket Public Schools uh, pre-K on?
3: First, I want to I want to thank them for their... Patients um, for the last few days and, and today, I've I've had many many meetings and I have more scheduled with with parents and families. Um, primarily, um, they're, they're people who want to either switch from their child going from a high hy- from the hybrid to the virtual, um, and we've been working very very hard. To, to try to schedule these it's it's not as easy as it as it's as it seems it's very challenging so we've been meeting with them and i just i am really struck by their patience and you know there there is frustration because you know they they want they want all of this to be over they want things to go back to the way they used to be but i, I really want to want to thank them and i want to thank our students for for their patience you know the conversations that i've had with teachers and administrators. Um, our students have done a, a fantastic job so far, the, right. those that have come in, um, you know, in, in the hybrid model. This is totally different from, from what they've ever experienced before, um, and I think that they're, they're, they're doing a, an awesome job. I, I want to thank our, the teachers um, who, are, um, who are working with our students virtually and are working with our students, you know, in, in the hybrid model. Um, everyone, it, it's 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 a very very stressful time for everyone right now, and I just want our families um, and, and parents to, to know that we're we're working very hard to try to put plans together where we can get as many students safely back to our schools as soon as we as we possibly can. And and again, I, I just want to thank them for their for their support. And you know, I, I'm going to be meeting um, at some point. I I think it might be next week. With a group of parents um, from the high school and the career center um, to, to hear their concerns and, and to, you know, to try to get some some feedback, um, because, you know, it's a cliche, but we, we we're all we're in this together. We really are. And we're, we're doing our very best. And I just appreciate the, the support and the patience of everyone out there.
1: Now, Mr. School Committee Chair, we only have time to permit you to say ditto. To what he said. However, because I like you, I'm going to give you a 30 seconds additional time.
4: Thanks for the ditto. Ditto. <laughs> um, I want to thank all the teachers, parents, students during this tough time for all the work they're doing uh, to really make the education process a success. And we can, I can tell the parents out there and the students that we are working with the administration, with Dr. McGee and his staff, to do our best to find a way to open that high school. Find a way to make sure that uh, we can bring in as many kids in person as po- we possibly can. So, uh, but stay tuned, and we'll be back next week.
3: You're welcome to do that,
4: and we will give you the update. and Hopefully, we have great news.
3: Mm. All right. If I could just add one more thing, Absolutely, Roger. Absolutely, sure. I, the, our, my directors and my principals and my assistant principals are are really working hard. Uh, they're doing a great job, you know, because they're they're the ones that are they're they're sort of the first line of defense, if you will, you know, in working directly with the families, um, and they've done a fantastic job as well. So I'm just I'm really proud of all of the work that everyone has put in and, and will continue to, to put in to, as you know, as Chairman Bourget said, bringing bringing as many of our students back as soon as we can.
1: We'll see you guys next uh, Friday, and uh, hope to have uh, that good news that you are referring to. All right.